Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. My guest today is going to talk about his experiences in the military. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your experience when you joined the military. Hi, um, yeah, my name is Zach and I'm 38 years old. And I joined the army when I was 19. Um, I had a feeling I was gonna join the army uh, my senior year in high school. It was just uh, just after 9-11 uh, at that time. Uh, a lot of guys were leaving uh, the high school to join the military instead of go to college. And I ended up following a few of my best friends into the army. And um, I went to basic training at Fort Sill, Oklahoma for uh, artillery. I was a 13 Bravo cannon crew member. And uh, shortly after that, uh, early 2004, I was shipped off to Bombholder, Germany, where I did my entire uh, my entire term in the military. I had a three-year contract, which was kind of rare. Um, and while I was in Germany, I deployed to Iraq in 2005 and 2006. Um, I had a one-year deployment in um, Iraq and Kuwait. It was a split deployment. We thought we were going into... Baghdad right when we landed in Kuwait but at the time Bush had a lot of uh, troops in Baghdad and I think the war was becoming questionable here at home and people were wondering why we were there for so long so they started holding a lot of us back from crossing the border along with my brigade um, we were there in Kuwait for eight months and we did non-stop training uh, until we finally got orders when things were getting bad in Baghdad to move north into Baghdad. <clears throat> uh, just being there that short period of time, uh, four and a half months or so, um, I witnessed more than I thought I, I would have ever imagined. Uh, I think it was the first day in theater. I witnessed uh, mortar land next to my in front of our Humvees. We uh, I was tasked to take some standard stock Humvees to a mechanic to have them put up armored steel on them so that we can use them on our routes. And on the way there, we were attacked. Uh, it was very odd. It was a, a very eerie situation being in Baghdad. Um, I'd like to reverse a little bit and go back to Germany. Uh, it was 2004, February 2004, when I got there. My first, my first experience, um, my first task that I was tasked to do was <clears throat> to go through a duffel bag, and I didn't know why I was going through that duffel bag, uh, but I was supposed to separate military belongings from personal belongings. And it wasn't until I dumped that duffel bag out and a military ID fell out 
uh, realized that person had recently been killed. And it, it was my first few weeks uh, as a real soldier, fresh out of basic training and school, uh, where I was already becoming uh, immersed in um, in in the death of war, the the dark, hard parts of combat. Uh, it was an intimate experience to go through that person's duffel bag. Um, it was very humbling, and I remember being really um, just kind of this empty feeling inside. Shortly after that, we had lost my my the 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 unit was still deployed in Baghdad for their first tour in 2003 and 2003 2004 um while i was in germany with a handful of people on rear detachment and we had lost uh we had just lost eight soldiers to one car bomb uh which was a significant loss um i was asked to be on um uh, on a guard at the church for the 21 gun salute um with a few other soldiers <clears throat> that was a, 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 a i was honored to take that role but again when those shots rang off and you can hear the people inside the church crying the families it just hit home it was this very real like experience um That was the beginning of my military experience was just this well-known fact that there's no doubt in my three-year contract, I will be deployed. If it wasn't that deployment, it will be the next a year later. And it, it did in fact happen. And um, by that time I was ready. Uh, we had been training for a year and we were all ready to go. Um, but nothing can prepare you for the reality that is that is war um the people the friends you know um i feel fortunate that i wasn't involved in a lot of direct uh combat but i witnessed a lot of combat i witnessed car bombs i witnessed um mortar attacks i witnessed massive explosions from a mortar attack I witnessed um, aircraft attacks on a city next to Baghdad. Um, and I went to, by the end of that term, about 25 memorial services and a good handful of people that I knew. On our last mission, um, my friend, Carl, uh, he he volunteered to go out on the last mission, which had I known about it, I would have volunteered to go out on one last hurrah mission. Um, we were both machine gunners and we were in the middle of the heat. We, you know, I, I think at, there's this place that I crossed in my mind, you know, after you're in the Middle East, for so long and you're dealing with combat that you accept you find this acceptance that you might not make it through the night 
you may not go home at the end of this deployment. And it's this weird, it was a weird place for me to, to, to swallow that pill and just accept what is. And that was one of the first times in my life I kind of just let go and let, um, let the experience take me on the ride and whatever happens happens. It was, a it was a bizarre experience, but going back to Carl, uh, he had volunteered for that last mission out and, um, we were training, uh, fourth ID on our routes and, um, something went south and EFP went off and it killed him instantly. And he was a good friend of mine. Um, death was such a huge theme of my military experience, but you, when you're a soldier, you know, you push that down, you, you, you put it behind you. You don't, um, you don't really acknowledge it because you know, that that's the reality like you could die your friends could die and you could kill someone and and people are gonna die like that's just that's what war is it's it it's a it's just just something that you accept but you don't realize uh i guess i didn't realize how strong of an impact that would have on me um years later so in your training with the military, do they do anything to help you prep for such situations or losses or feelings? Not that early in the military. I would imagine that they do now, uh, at the least that they have something. I would hope, but I don't know that for sure. Uh, we've, uh, there's, there's, I have a personal mission to share my story with a lot of people and I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Uh, but one of the hardest things that I learned in the last 10 years is that, uh, the amount of people, the number of people who've committed suicide, the amount of veterans who've committed suicide and lost their lives here at home, triple that number of people who have died overseas in combat and those uh, Afghanistan and Iraq combined. So that's the answer that I, I don't have the answer to that question, but uh, my story was a lot of self-seeking myself, like for help when I got home. That we, we had a very brief hour long, uh, it was called a reintegration um, uh a meeting in a way it was like a when we got back from iraq we were all going to this big building where we kind of were briefed on our experience and like if you need some help here's a number here's a card and like uh we're reintegrating you back but really like no one we all just wanted to go back and start drinking <laughs> like that was the reality we were all so anxious to go back and see our families and start opening up beers again and and you know, be normal. But um, I had a really unique position. I may be not that unique, but it's, it was an odd situation being a single soldier in Germany uh, returning from combat. They have a big ceremony and then they let down the banner and all the wives and 
family and kids come running towards their loved ones while all of us single soldiers at the time just kind of slipped out the back door and uh there was no buddy waiting with open arms for us um just it was different it was uh, and i don't think that's talked about but that that had an impact on me uh it really did uh i missed my family i couldn't wait to come home um and i had nobody there i i was thankful for my friends and those people i served with cuz we went back to carry on like normal um but no uh, I, I don't, to answer your question, I don't know what is available now these days um, as far as information to prepare for the return of combat. Uh, I learned, and I, I my seeking began uh, a few months after coming home in 2007 because um, we got back November 2006 and I got out of the Army and uh, January 2007 my brother and I and his girlfriend we all moved in together and in 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 a little apartment in downtown Everett and uh got myself a, a crappy job just to kind of start off with and um I was angry at the world I I I didn't realize that everywhere I was going I was speeding I was you come back with this cocky attitude, like um, the, the best way I can describe is how my counselor described it is you've been living at, you know, at peak, you've been, you've been living off of peak jet fuel for a year, year and a half. And you come home and you don't need that jet fuel while everyone else is running off of, you know, unleaded regular. And you're going a hundred miles an hour down the highway while everyone else is doing 60. And, uh, that's really what it was like. And uh, I would get in arguments with people. I would just coming home. It was like, you're in this whole new peer group. All of a sudden you're nowhere near the people you served with. And you're with, a, you're in a society that doesn't understand anything and you don't understand why you're there. And, uh, I think I, I, my brother and I got in a few arguments about something stupid and he told me that I needed help. And I think those words rang loud and clear. Like that's that was the moment I started questioning um, if I actually did. And I uh, was referred to the Seattle uh, VA, um, and I went there uh, and got an appointment with a psychiatrist. Uh, they referred me to, um, a, I don't even know his position, but he was like a pharmacist that took orders at like a, like basically going through McDonald's and ordering whatever you wanted. It was very, a very bizarre experience. Um, and then I was also referred to counseling at, at that time. Um, I, uh, struggled with the medications and decided that, uh, I wasn't going to take them and I was going to try to do this without medication. And I started counseling. Um, and uh, that's where my journey to healing really began. Um, and that was probably two years after 
deployment, it was a struggle coming back home. So you bring up an issue that is um, uh, very near and dear to my heart, and that is suicide. Um, the I know the suicide rate for soldiers coming back from a deployment, especially if they've seen um, action, if you will, whatever, is very high. And that breaks my heart because um, you all went over there and, and, and defended our country, and I thank you for that. So um, in this podcast, I'm going to make sure that we also link uh, people to suicide uh, survivor things and, and questioning things about that. So um, when you talk about coming back, I mean, you were still a really young guy. Were you like 21 or whatever when you came back from this? So you're really a young guy and you are coming back and most 21-year-olds, the most they've ever had to deal with is, I don't even know, like a speeding ticket? I'm not even sure what, what that would be. So the whole relating to people in your age group had to be really difficult. Like, how do you relate to someone who says the worst thing that ever happened to me was, you know, um, I had a flat tire as I went to work today. And you're like, whoa, flat tire? Let me talk to you about a bad day, right? So how did you kind of deal with that reintegration with people when you came back from uh, the war? It, it was really hard. Uh, and and it, it was hard to identify why I had a hard time dealing with it. I think that was the hardest part was you you come home and you're you're suddenly around all this silly shit people are always worried about all these things that seem so insignificant and like like i just got back from war i just watched bombs drop on solder city like i don't even know why people are complaining about what they're complaining about like it's insane to me it it really bothered me and uh, i think that's where a lot of my anger and frustration came from uh that uh, you know that manifests in its, into its own problems until until later when i when i started to recognize um it uh it's it's frustrating it's you feel like an enlightened one and suddenly you're dropped off in this world of people who of morons and like i don't mean that really but like that's the cocky attitude you have when you have this intense awareness of the world around you. You always know who's behind you and where you're at. You always know how to ex exit a situation. You you always are sizing up this the your, your your the area that you're around and the people you're around. It, you're just it's uh it's difficult to live like that. Like to move over a lane because you see a box or a bag on the side of the road and you really don't know what's in it. And you really do recognize, well, I'm driving the 2002 Volkswagen GTI and I just moved over a lane because of a piece of trash on I-5. The second you start questioning that, that's, that's just when you like, to me, that's, those were the things that slowly started to seed my mind with this reality that like, I am, I don't want to live like this. I don't, I don't want to be an enlightened one, you know, like I want to be, I want to be normal again. And how do I get there? And and how do I start that, that process? Um, you're, you're describing obviously symptoms of PTSD. I mean, no doubt about it. Oh, so 
how yeah how did you get to the point where you no longer needed to change lanes when you saw a bit of debris on the highway or um be less um i don't know attentive to someone behind you in line at the grocery store those types of things how did you get to that spot where you could be more quote unquote normal member of society i, I think for myself that really just took time um and recognition and talking about it um talking it took me a while to start talking to to people i i knew about my military experience especially my parents uh my mom kind of poked and wanted to know more information because she's curious and she, i know she loves me and she wants to know about my life but it it was hard for me to talk to her about those things. And uh, I found it easier to start talking to people when it was more in like the, like, you know, in a way you kind of feel like you have some stories and you want to show off a little bit and talk to people about the shit you've been through. And, and I, that's where I started to open up. And I feel like in those conversations, I recognized that I was actually benefiting from getting some of the stuff off my chest and maybe it wasn't in the right context because I was kind of bragging about military experiences and you know the things that I did and all that but like I realized that talking about it was beneficial um I I, I didn't even start talking about my military experience like the deeper parts of my military experience with my counselor honestly for tell till actually not too long ago um which uh we would talk about some things but i didn't get into the details uh about a lot of things and like how i felt in certain situations and like um it took time it takes time to 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 recognize where you're at when you it, it took here this is the this is the part that for me that was a big game changer was the part that I recognized I actually have problems because I never wanted to believe that I was gonna be affected like that. I wanted to believe that uh I can still do everything everyone else can do um, I had low self esteem in high school and um i I struggled to keep up with my peers and I judged myself heavily for that, so when I got out of the military. My number one goal was I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to prove myself um, uh, that I can do these things. Uh, but it took me years to finally break the ice and make that happen. Um, it, it wasn't without the help of my counseling um, to overcome those small hurdles to start taking on the big ones, which eventually led to coping with PTSD. So that said, um, I'm curious to know if you could do it over again, would you still enlist in the army and go through all that experience? I think about that a lot because I think about, you know, what would I want for my son? Would I want him to have that experience to have that massive wealth of knowledge and wisdom that is so hard to get to 
or would I just want him to have an easy life to have a good life? Like, don't, don't do what I did. I debate about that all the time and I'm on the fence so much, but I know that I would do it again to have the understanding of, of who I am. Um, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think I know myself if it wasn't for my combat experience. Um, I would certainly not have the relationships with the people I served with because I still know a lot of those guys and I still talk to them. There's this, uh, you just, the brotherhood is real, you know? Um, And to have an opportunity like this to share my experience with, you know, the potential other vets who are listening into a podcast like this, then maybe they can relate or maybe, you know, we all had very unique experiences and we all see through different lenses on our experiences. But, you know, what if there's an opportunity to, to help change somebody, to help somebody recognize that, they can overcome these kinds of things too. You don't have to be a a veteran to have trauma. Uh, Almost everyone certainly has some trauma in their life, but um, being a veteran is a unique trauma and that makes it difficult to connect to the world around you. Um, So there are resources, you know, there are resources and there are things that you can do. Yeah, so you brought up a really good point there that um, being a veteran is a a different a different situation of trauma than um, other spots. So um, I also know that the um, reaching out for help, especially for emotional and um, counseling help in the military, it has a bit of a stigma attached to it. So um, you know we're all tough and we can get through this and so on and so forth. So if you were talking to someone who's been through you know, um, active combat, um, you know, some kind of real life situations in the military and they're back now in the real world here in the U S and trying to, you know, reacclimate to life here. What advice would you give them for how to make that transition as easy and painless as possible? I think the first thing I would say, if uh, if I could speak to somebody who may or may not even be struggling, <clears throat> is just to have patience. Uh, it, patience really is one of the hardest things to learn. And to have patience with yourself as you grow and learn through new experiences. Uh, I think to, for me, that that's just the starting point. But um my journey was different. I think it may be I, I'm significantly different than other people. I don't, I don't really know. I, I mean, I know a lot of the guys who got out and went back in. I, I know everybody's, everybody's different, but for, for me, I, I, I learned how to meditate. Um, I started meditating and I, I realized that like there was a lot of noise in my head and a lot of sound happening in my voice. I could hear all, you know, all the things I'm saying to myself all the time. And I just needed to learn how to silence that sound and 
bring my heart rate down and uh, bring the anxiety attacks down. Um, and that was, there, there was that. And <clears throat> oddly, um, maybe not oddly, but uh, oddly enough, I started getting into, I've always been an active person um, and outdoors. And I started surfing right after I got home. Uh, two of my best friends that I served in the army with got stationed here at Fort Lewis. And they called me up one day and they're like, hey, we're going surfing. We're going to Seattle to buy some wetsuits and surfboards. I'm like, get the hell out of here. I grew up here. Like, you can't surf here. So I went with them and bought a wetsuit. And I, from that day forward, um, from that day forward, we started surfing uh, almost every single weekend. And I realized while I was surfing that I'm going to get kind of hippie for a second, but um, being out in the ocean, the waves and just the swell of the up and down bobbing in the ocean, like really put my mind in this trance. And then you had this intensity of like trying to get on the wave and wiping out and learning how to surf and like actually surfing big waves. And like, you're figuring these things out. And this accomplishment, this personal accomplishment of like, like, holy shit, I'm doing this. Like, I'm, I'm learning something new that I've never done before. It's both scary, intimidating, and very peaceful. And I think the combination between that peace and the adrenaline was the perfect balance for me to have the adrenaline fix that I missed from the military that I, that I, I think a lot of us are addicted to when we are in combat. We, we enjoy that thrill uh, of the unknown. And so I feel like in a way I was kind of compensating for all, all that. I, it was, it became a type of medicine and I surfed for three or four years, almost every single weekend in the better months. Um, I was very into that. And uh, that has transitioned into uh, uh, just a number of other hobbies I've picked up since but finding something that is good for you and healthy for you but both challenges you I think is a really good thing to uh, to, 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 re, to school your mind on how to cope with PTSD or trauma. Yeah, I think you're spot on, Zach. You're spot on. So I want to thank you for being my guest today. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences and your your thoughts. I also want to tell you I'm very, very thankful for you for your service and thank you for that. And um, I'm glad you're a healthy member of society today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, I, I appreciate you allowing me to share my story and uh, I hope that it reaches other people and in, 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 in a way that I wish maybe somebody would have been able to reach out to me. I, I had to figure a lot of this stuff out on my own as I go, but that's part of life. We, we yeah. definitely have. And that's definitely the point of this podcast is how do we help people who are behind us in their journey um, that we already walked. Right. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of the book, The Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival. You can find the book on Amazon and Kindle.